feels like an age since we last did this and obviously the international break in between and it always causes problems this time of the season thankfully between now and march we basically don't have any international football hooray i you know i I hate being down on international football i really like it in theory just the actual practice of it is terribly dull although i did quite enjoy watching spain against scotland yes well i actually haven't said that because spain play england in november but i I don't think they have a huge break uh, in between that fixture it's not one of those ones where they take a massive gap out but uh, there you go but loads and loads and loads of stuff to talk about this week yeah and before we get to any of that i've got a question for you which i'd need some clarification from the intro to the show is it the Liverpool game or the Altalol Galati game that's the biggest game of the season so far oh definitely Altalol Galati just just you know because it's Altalol Galati yes or Altalol Galati as I like to call them um, and so where should we start let's start with the football that we haven't talked about yet that actually happened and involved Manchester United an incredibly laboured game against Norwich where we were really really lucky that they were not able to finish because it could have been quite an embarrassing final score but in the end three big points yeah in the end three big points i think it's a few kind of muted performances in a row obviously the fc basel game wasn't great the stoke game wasn't great the second half of the chelsea game wasn't great norwich was pretty average i I don't know whether it's because Cleverly's been out of the side and, and United lost some impetus or it's been so many changes in defence or, or Hernandez being in and then out and all, and all of that. But um, that those that opening sort of months of the season, the, the brightness and the, the sparkling play United had didn't hasn't really transposed over the last month or so. And, and it all kind of came to a head against Norwich. And I thought pretty average performance all round. And you're right about, you're right about Norwich's finishing. They could easily have got something out of that game if they could actually finish and and they didn't so uh, another victory that's about the 400th victory in a row for United at Old Trafford in the Premier League or something along those lines no it's very clearly the 19th victory in a row leaving us on 19 points with a plus 19 goal difference very pleasing 19 based symmetry there yes very good the performance was not very good we reverted to a what I can only describe as a 2-4-4 formation by the end of the game Ferguson insistence on not playing any actual fullbacks or, or as few as possible does occasionally cause problems. Uh, Valencia got himself in real trouble against Basel and also uh, against Norwich. There was, a, there was a couple of hairy moments uh, where he d- he didn't really look like a right back. Well, he's not, is he? He's not. Um, he's he's a, he's a winger who does his job professionally and helps out his fullback. But uh, when yeah, but he's not he's not a fullback. I have to say this is um it is becoming an issue in the United States. Man chopping and changing at right back at the moment and Ferguson does kind of need to stick with one I mean so far we've had Valencia, Fabio, Smalling and Jones all play there uh, I guess Raphael as well uh, before the injury so that's five right backs and and uh, that's that's uh, quite a lot too many and, and uh, hopefully what will happen is uh, we'll settle down to one for the majority of games so it, it can't be doing anyone any good chopping and changing so much and, and of course there have been a load of injuries to the defence and most of whom will be back for, for the, the game at the weekend. I mean, it looks like Vidic is fit. He's, uh, he played for Serbia in the week. Rio's fit. Smalling uh, seems like he's probably fit. Jones is obviously fit. Uh, Fabio is, is doing all right. Um, it, and it's probably only Raphael who's on the treatment table. Yes, or as he calls it, home from home. It's an interesting selection dilemma 
for Sir Alex. I guess Rio's form and training will be informing it because you think Vidic is going to walk back into the side. Um, yeah, and he played. So yeah, uh, right. Yeah, I mean, disappointing result for for Serbia. If you're a, you're a fan of Serbia, not not if you're a fan of Slovenia and, and all that jazz, but he, he he should come straight back into the side. Yeah, he's had a game. Rio hasn't, and he's been in and out and in and out. And who, who knows? It's a, it's a big call. Do you bring two players back in who who if if they were both been fit and both been playing? You'd, you'd definitely pick Rio and Fidic, but they haven't. So do you go for Jones, who's been exposed a few times uh, defensively this season, although they've been fantastic on the ball, go for Smalling or, or Evans, who's had uh, you know, some good performances this season, but also some, some uh, average ones. And is it? Norwich. Yeah, yeah, didn't, didn't have a great game there. So it's, 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 it's a big call. I, I suspect, just given the atmosphere and everything, he'll probably go for Ferdinand and Vidic in the centre. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I find it almost impossible to second-guess what he's actually going to do because he has access to so much more information than we do because he's seen all these players in training. He knows who's hitting form and all that kind of thing and who's, who's, who's just confident and all the things that you need to be to go into a game of this size. Uh, the Norwich game, Phil Jones's performance was okay, uh, but at one point he made an absolutely heroic challenge in the box. It was the kind of it was a brilliant challenge. It, it was the kind of challenge that it's a shame someone had to make because it came from a couple of other errors. But he he looked imperious when he made that challenge. And and, and otherwise in the, that Norwich game, just a real lack of fluency. Although having said that, it is very difficult to play fluent football when they really are literally putting ten behind the ball you know they, they, they were defending with 10 men a lot of that game they parked the tractor as it were <laughs> yes uh, well that's very true but I mean isn't isn't that the point of uh, United having all these forward players were supposed to be able to unlock that and well they did in the end again again uh, yes they did in the end they did in the end and and that, that's why United got a victory but it, for, for a long long period of that game it just didn't didn't quite it just wasn't quite happening was it and, and I, was, I was kind of disappointed with Anderson again you just kind of I, I just I don't, don't know what to make of this guy. He had such a bright start, and we we're all so hopeful of him. And then the last four games, he's been so average. And 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 it's a big game for him at the weekend because he'll probably play because Cleverly's not had a game, you know, in a month or so now. And uh, and he's you know he's fit. I'd say Cleverly will make the bench at least. But but you'd expect Anderson to play, and if he's playing alongside Carrick, the burden will be on Anderson to kind of lead United from the centre and midfield, which he's not been doing ever. Which he's never done, I think it's fair to say. So there you go. So it's a big, it's a big call. It's a big call. Of course, Fergie could re- revert to experience for this one and go with Carrick and Giggs. And that's, that's the thing with Ferguson. Nearly 25 years of him, and then we still have no idea what team he'll pick for the for the weekend's fixture. I mean, it keeps coming up. So let's just talk about it. The Liverpool. We're playing Liverpool at the weekend. Um, I've got absolutely no idea of what the starting lineup is. I don't even really know what I want the starting lineup to be. If Cleverly's fit, I guess I'd quite like to see Cleverly and Anderson it was so effective but that seems like an absolutely enormous gamble given Anderson's lack of form in recent games and Cleverly's lack of games in recent games uh, it's Liverpool so expecting a really monumental performance from Wayne Rooney might be a little much to ask given all the pressure and external stuff that's been going on he's gonna have that burning desire to prove himself that he has and and that doesn't normally end that well against Liverpool uh, in particular 
Yeah, we've spoken about this before, and he's spoken about it, and then Ferguson's spoken about it, the pressure that, that seems to be on Rooney, because because he's an Everton fan, and he talked this week, seen some quotes at the uh, the FIFA 12 launch, he's talking about the how he used to feel sick when it came round to the Liverpool game, because he wanted to beat them so much, or sick at the thought of losing to them, so, and perhaps he's he just, you know, he's just tried too hard in, in fixtures in the past, and then hopefully we'll get a, we'll get a sensible, mature Rooney performance, where he he, he wants to lead United to victory with a great performance, but not focus on the opposition. So in case you've been living in some sort of football news blackout over the last two weeks, which seems unlikely given you're listening to this show, so thus probably have at least a passing interest in Manchester United. Uh, on the day of the England International, the day before, a story broke that Rooney's dad had been involved in an illegal betting incident. He'd been arrested for it, I believe, if I'm not much mistaken. Pay that much to attention to the story dad and uncle uh, dad and uncle yeah the the Roonies. um then wayne played for england uh was involved in the goals but then got himself sent off in sort of pretty stupid petulant fashion he's been slated by the press because the press are myopic idiots when it comes to covering football and especially england brings out the worst in everyone you know he's let the country down blah 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 blah. your usual nonsense now the, the first thing i thought was that if my dad was on the cover of all the papers because he'd done something bad and was getting in trouble for it that might make me worse at, at my job too especially if my job uh, heavily depended on me maintaining a calm state of mind despite being surrounded by tens of thousands of people shouting and feeling the weight of expectation of an entire nation on my shoulders so i think it's it's extremely uh, there's a there's a lot of nonsense talked about you know oh well we thought rooney had cut this out of his game and also just the constant kind of well of course if he took that out of his game would he be the player no i'm you bored of it all i'm so bored of it all i i i hope you hope it gives him a 75 match ban he never has to play for england again it'd be awesome yeah i mean i just i do feel for these players because you know i i grew up if I'd been good at football I would have loved to play for England it would have been an absolute dream of mine as a kid and then you find that these kids probably all had that same dream and then now they get to do it and it's rubbish it's so rubbish the team's rubbish the manager's rubbish the press are rubbish the fans are rubbish you know it's just dreadful yeah and the the focus on Rooney and all of that and just the cod psychology of it all I just read article after article just a absolute bs total utter nonsense and and trying to get into the head and then of course capello said the same thing like the guy was frustrated he he lashed out he, he in fact he barely kicked the guy and and it was it was shown in the reaction of the player who who fell over and then then uh, accepted rooney's hand and got up and the ref had had no choice but to show him a red card because it was an act of violent conduct and it's a red card and then Rooney walked off the pitch and accepted it. End of story. If it wasn't Rooney, we'd we'd probably calm down somewhat about it and we, we wouldn't have had pages and pages and pages of uh, analysis. And, and uh, yeah, of course, now now they can continue this for months because there'll be the national wailing about it. Of course, you know, some pundits will probably say, shouldn't be taking him to Poland and Ukraine. Or Poland, I think England are going to be based in because he won't be there and and all of that kind of nonsense and Campello even said well he won't be playing at all he'll hate the whole thing despise it all I don't like England didn't watch it and didn't watch previous two England games either and 
and uh, I've, I'm, I'm so turned off the whole European qualification process because most of it is just utter dross, utter, utter dross. Look, maybe the playoffs will be good because uh, there's, there'll be some drama there and, uh, and all of that. So, you know, maybe, maybe we'll have some good playoff games and then maybe the tournament is helpful. Maybe, but I don't have great expectations for it. I mean, you know, if it's the semi-finals of France and Germany and Holland and Italy, that, that could be potentially some... Not Italy, sorry, Spain. That could be potentially kind of exciting you know could be some really good matches and you could get a rematch of the world cup final and hopefully holland will actually turn up rather than just try and batter spain into submission yeah and and so mixed mixed results for united players over over the international break obviously uh, england qualified so that could be good news for well rooney and phil jones and chris smalling and rio ferdinand if he makes the side and tom cleverly and danny welbeck and potentially michael carrick although i think he's probably out of the picture now but and michael owen don't forget Michael Owen. Oh yes, let's start a national campaign. No, no, Henry Winter's on that one, so you probably don't need to do that. Yeah. So there quite a few players there, but uh, others didn't fare so well. Portugal lost in Denmark, so uh, Nani will be in the playoffs. How are they so not? How are they so bad, Portugal? Well, they, they had a bad start to the campaign and and uh, and all that stuff with Kiraz and, and and all of that, and he's uh. gone. But but um, they haven't really recovered. So uh, I guess the, the the Danes have got a pretty good side at the moment, and, and so there you go. Yeah, they're in the playoffs, and Serbia lost. Nemanja missed a penalty. Not. I have to say, not my first choice if I was going to pick a penalty taker. I mean, maybe he was hoping to scare the opposition goalkeeper. But he said he was the captain, so he took responsibility. And he, he missed it. Serbia had to win anyway, and they uh, they lost. So uh, the penalty, even if it had gone in, might not have made a difference. Uh, so they're out, and uh, France just scrapes through. So Patrice Evra uh, should be going to Euro 2012. They they got their 1-0 win against Bosnia. and Oh, no, well, they, I lie, I lie. It was a one-all draw, wasn't it? But they got the point they needed. To, to go through Republic of Ireland uh, in the playoffs and I theory Garrett Darren Gibson might take part in that uh, although he's not fit at the moment so you know there's a, there's a few a few players definitely going and a few players may be going my favourite moment from the international break uh, I didn't watch any of the games apart from 20 minutes of Scotland Spain was uh, sent to me on from a YouTube clip via our good friend at Awate91 it was easily the highlight of my week last week and it's like a minute long video showing Rooney getting sent off and tackling the commentator getting a bit agitated and some Eastern European language and as as Rooney walks off and it's at the 53 second mark in the video uh, Phil Jones gives him a slap on the back of the head the captain Phil Jones just you know <laughs> that classic leader's gesture of oh well it's a bit stupid but you know you're, you're, he's, he, it's the senior pros bucking up the young fiery lads you know it was that, that <laughs> classic That's gesture yeah, yeah. and so I asked I asked the question on Twitter how old will Phil Jones be when he first captains United and England and uh, the answers ranged from 12 to his late 20s I think late 20s is way late he'll, he'll be England captain by the age of 25 and uh, I, you know what I really really wouldn't be surprised if he is United's next significant club captain after Vidic well, and and Nemanja's got a few years left. There's there's talk of of uh, Vidic retiring. I don't think he actually made an official statement an announcement on this, but he kind of suggested he would retire from international football, and that might extend his United career. So, and that, I think he's got two or three years left on that contract. But he's he's turning thirty. Vidic is in a, in a about ten days' time off. So, so um, he's only he's only got a few years left at the top, and and injuries start coming more frequently. And he has been a, a player predisposed to the odd injury, hasn't he? So so it could could well be the the, the captaincy's up for grabs in a couple of years' time. 
Yeah, and I, I think he, uh, if, if things go according to the trajectory that I suspect they will go, Phil Jones is going to be uh, uh, in with a really big shout of, uh, of getting that captaincy in his early 20s. He certainly will be, yeah. Geese will be retired. There isn't another obvious candidate right now. We, Wayne Rooney has been spoken about in the past, but he can't really keep his pen dry. Probably not the, the right choice anymore. So every every chance. Maybe you ought to put a bet on him. Uh, I'm not a gambling man, but if I was, I would, uh, I think, 23 would be the age that I'd go for. Maybe even 22 for his first his first taste of the armband. You don't taste an armband. His first go with the armband. That'd be pretty hungry. Yeah, you would. Right, so uh, those were the international... Maybe it was made of licorice. Maybe I should do that, you know? A bit of an energy bar. An energy bar captain's armband. That's, that's that kind of strategic thinking that... That's, that's what winners are made of. Absolutely. I can't believe you're not on the medical staff at United. Uh, but yes, about- well, he, I, who is on the medical staff at United? The man of injuries United. Get Dr. Nick is on the medical staff at United. Apparently, actually, another report came out recently. It might even be in the last week of uh, the amount that United is spending on the Carrington facility upgrade. It's been talked about for quite a long time. There was a, apparently an internal review, and, and it looks like they're actually going to go and spend um, $20 million or so on building their own medical centre at Carrington, so no more pictures of of uh, David De Gea poorly hiding behind a white sheet and uh, and going into the Bridgewater Hospital. So uh, we'll be able to do it all at Carrington and, and maybe actually stop the annual defensive injury crisis that appears to hit. I mean, I you do wonder about that. I guess partly we just play more games than anyone else, really, don't we? You know, uh, and we certainly play more big games than any other club in England um, or have done over the last few years. So you would expect on from that perspective that you're likely to get a few more injuries um but but it does seem to have been bad of course owen hargreaves made some hay out of uh that and said some pretty extraordinary things about his his time at, he at did United. He, he, he sounded all bitter which was <laughs> no real surprise really was it I, but but there's actually it's a good point though about owen hargreaves look even even if um even if he was had a valid point about the poor treatment he got, you, you do have to ask the question about how he managed to get through a medical. Yeah, well, and also, you know, if his treatment was so bad from United, the fact that he offered to play for the club for free for a season would sort of indicate that perhaps he didn't feel so terrible about his treatment at that time. I don't know. And when he when he did we talk about this on the show before? I'm not sure if we did or not. But when he left Munich, he was very scathing about the way he'd been treated there. I, I don't know. It's a it's a very difficult situation because when you've when you've suffered those kinds of injuries, you're you're going to be looking for reasons, I guess. Yes, uh, and and actually, I didn't take uh, much of what he said as an as an attack as such. Uh, no, he's 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 quite a level-headed chap, but he's lost three years of his career, and there's got to be a lot of frustration there. So yeah, it's um, <clears throat> and he's going to waste the next year of his career, of course, at Wastelands. But he got a game and he scored. He did. It's just not right, is it? Um, talking of just not right, we're going to play Liverpool and people are going to behave like animals in the crowd on both sides. And uh, well, There won't be many United fans because, uh, once again, Liverpool have restricted the amount of uh, tickets that United fans will get there. Only be about a thousand there. And is, that bec- is, is it because we consistently make way, way, way more noise than the home support? 
Yes, I think it is, although the official excuse is that too many fans are standing and particularly too many fans blocking uh, the exit routes by standing in the gangways and general behaviour towards stewards and, and so on. And Ferguson wrote a letter, didn't he, in the, in the last week to everyone who has a ticket uh, for that match, um, urging people to behave and sit down and, and be respectful towards the stewards and stuff like that. Prob- problem I have with this is that it's catching. So there, I think there are now 12 clubs who are doing this and... and if it was all about safety, they wouldn't just resell the tickets, yeah, which is what they're doing. These clubs are, are reselling tickets to home fans and just reducing the, you know, the size of the area that United fans get. So it's not about you know thinning out the density of United fans. So there's you know, more space for uh, you know, any safety procedures that need to be undertaken or anything like that. They're they're just reselling to home fans, and uh, it feels now that it's uh, begin to become a bit of an excuse. So, well, A, United fans have to behave, and B, and, and you know, give, give, uh, give the opposition clubs no excuse and no ammunition. B, United have to uh, lobby pretty hard on this one, because I think some clubs are taking the piss. Right, I mean, what, what, why are the clubs doing it then? What, what's their incentive? It's their, it's, it's their biggest game of the season, so the incentive is to ensure maximum amount of fans uh, they can have, and, 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 and look, that's, that's, I, I guess that's the paranoia version the, the the other version is that there's been consistent uh, problems with united fans standing and it's a safety issue but the problem is some clubs have done this and uh, there haven't been big reports and there's inconsistencies as well because it's the same safety commission from liverpool council that has done nothing about um, united cutting united's allocation at everton for example but i mean is is that because it's just a less kind of intense fixture well, you know, fans are going to stand the whole game. Yeah, right, absolutely. I mean, d- don't... Uh, d- excuse my complete ignorance on this subject. Don't most away fans stand most games? Is that not what happens? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. So you yeah. you suspect that, that it is the, the paranoid... I, 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 I suspect there's some level of excuses uh, being you know, used. But and it's not just about the standing. It's, all, it's also about the behaviour towards stewards and also uh, blocking the gangways and, and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, and, and you can well imagine, you know, a bunch of United fans being obnoxious to Liverpool stewards, can't you? You know, that doesn't sound like a, a big stretch. Well, I'll get pretty, plenty of practice at Old Trafford because the stewards there are pretty obnoxious. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully it will uh, all go down well. There won't be any chanting about Munich or Heisel or murdering anyone or any of that. Oh, no, of course not. Of course not. No, it's going to be a vicious display of the worst of humanity. It's going to be all, all the things that it always is. Really? really? Do you think the worst of humanity? The, really? The worst? The, wor- the very worst? Perhaps not the absolute apotheosis but definitely in some ways that the the kind of most casually inhuman it's a complete abandonment of human decency basically it's just uh i'm gonna say anything i want to about the worst things that have ever happened to your club or because of your club that's that's the the message yes and 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 steven gerrard playing phil collins tracks yeah i find that less offensive you know that's the, uh, really really i i don't think so so anyway it's it's it'll be fine i'm sure uh, it'll all be over soon and i can look forward to our games against fulham or other 
clubs where it's not just makes me kind of watch the thing through my fingers going you do know we're all human beings you do know that people that support a different football club to you are not in any way shape or form worse than you right it's uh, there's no moral imperative in which football club you support after the Liverpool game the the, the grudge match against Otelol Galati they, they have a player called Gabriel Vigilante do you, th- do you think he'll be after some revenge yes Edward I do think he will be after some revenge do you know what I must confess I completely forgot that the Otelol Galati game was coming up and I have not yet done any research uh, on them apart from the fact that they don't we don't get to play them in their actual home stadium because it's too small what do you know about Otelol Galati Ed? they are managed by Dorinel Muntinatu right or something of that nature they 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 were first time Romanian Premier League champions and so their first entry into the Champions League they've lost both their games so far they're not very good their capacity of their stadium is tiny so you know, as you said they'll be playing away from home they're mostly domestic grown players they've got a, the odd smattering of, of I think Mr Vigilante might be Argentinian or, or something like that and uh, a, a couple of other Serbs and, and that kind of thing but mostly it's domestic based players and, and they've you know let's be really patronising to say they've done really well to get this far the plucky uh, small club from Romania and they're most likely going to lose all their games yeah uh, it's I'm, I'm on their Wikipedia page now and their, their first team a lot of Romanian flags a uh, few few players from, from other places a Nigerian interesting but but yeah lots of Romanian players I remember Montanu I think I used to sign him quite regularly for United in Championship Manager and uh, I think I remember some of these uh, there's a list of his international goals I think I remember some of these I think I think I remember him oh yeah he scored against England right there you go I remember that there you go <laughs> yeah uh, I think he might have been one of the players that dyed his hair blue in that famous Romanian side that they all dyed their hair the same colour. It's the high quality analysis, isn't it? That you. I know. I, I know it's it's Shira esque. It, this this is when uh, England got knocked out of the Euro, wherever it was, Euro two thousand or something, when Phil Neville gave yeah. away the the last minute penalty and was the uh, the latest in a long line of uh, United players to get fingered by the English public for for being the the fall guy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I, obviously you can't predict anything other than a win in that game uh, and a chance for some more squad rotation because another massive game next weekend a City match next weekend yes I would think there'll be quite a lot of squad rotation and, and some of the younger players will play uh, in, in Romania and uh, no surprise although of course United under a little bit of pressure a couple of, a couple yeah, of draws absolutely. I mean if uh, if Ferguson did make you know, say seven or eight changes and, and United didn't get a good result out in Romania there'd be quite a lot of pressure there yeah no you're, you're right that's, uh, that's it's, a, it's a very significant thing and my new FC Basel have, have lost their manager this week uh, Fink has gone to Hamburg so they're they're currently managerless even if, if they are top of Group C at the moment oh, it's interesting I think there's a hotel manager from Torquay that might want to take over FC Basel I'm never going to stop making this joke by the way ever just warn you for the now for the rest of time if you want to unsubscribe to the podcast now I will completely respect your decision but yeah that's sorry about that it, it is a real sort of it's not quite must win is it a draw isn't the end of the world but it would put a good degree of pressure on on United and you'd have to say we sort of need a win because it's it's been a very abortive start hasn't it this this campaign it's it's not 
we've not looked impressive in Europe so far. No, uh, ha- haven't really. I mean, uh, I think we all felt that the draw away at Benfica was a good result. Let's say decent, decent, res- respectable result. De- decent result, given yeah, on paper the hardest, the hardest tie of the uh, the group, but but drawing at home to FC Basel, you didn't expect. So United got to go away there. They've got an away match coming up, uh, and of course they've got Benfica to come at home, and that could be a tough game. So um, all of a sudden, after a couple of draws, the the group doesn't look like such a cakewalk and I, th- I think uh, at the start I boldly predicted United would win all six games so there you go a- egg on the face yeah. as usual but it's uh, let's let's hope United do get those three points because I think it take an awful lot of the pressure off I mean it's been a very very strange I, uh, you know the international break is a time to reflect uh, the risk of sounding like a thought for the day presenter on Radio 2 um, it's been a very strange old start to the season it started with such explosive excitement um, and then you said on the podcast you know well the thing is though what happens if Cleverly get in, gets injured does the whole thing fall apart and it slightly has I mean it's not just been about Cleverly being injured there's been a lot of injuries in defence and um, you know Chicharito and Welbeck have been swapping injuries and neither none of the the supporting cast of strikers have really stepped up to fill those roles uh, when they've been out so th- there's been a, a lot of squad rotation as there always is uh, but a lot of it forced and so there's been some real disjointed performances sneaking in I mean last season we won the league based on a, a three quarters of a season of disjointed performances so it's it's not been catastrophic and whilst we might be under slightly more pressure at this stage in the Champions League than we'd like to be the with top of the league sitting pretty uh, and going into you know a couple of really important and potentially certainly early season the early mid part of the season defining fixtures against Liverpool and Manchester City and if we can if we can muster up some performances in in the next two or three games things are going to look much rosier and brighter again aren't they well you'd kind of hope so but it depends on how everyone comes back from the international break in a way and there are plenty of question marks on the fitness of of, we've talked about we have Ferdinand Vidic and and cleverly key players there Chicharito's been in and out and they're not really had the opportunity to start firing in the goals this season uh, because of that sort of early concussion he had and then the nasty tackle he suffered and, and all of that and he's been away with Mexico this week and they've been playing in Brazil so and they played a sort of late very late night Wednesday so it's uh, he's going to be tired so there's going a big call there to be made whether he'll play and you, you kind of have to suspect Welbeck will start as a result and so yeah. there's been a there's been a lot of quite a lot of change in the last few games and, and so it's taken some of the momen- momentum away from United and but I suppose if there's one fixture you you really want to to you know make sure everyone rallies around and and says right you know we need to focus now it's this one and and uh, you know bad result last time out at Anfield back end of last season so it's not revenge but uh, I'm sure a lot of the players that are still remain at the club from that game will want to put in a better better performance it wasn't a particularly good one no it was absolutely dreadful uh, I mean I'm really really nervous about this fixture I, I I don't know Liverpool have had a very odd start to the season themselves and I think that you know Charlie Adam has got a lot of skill but he's incredibly slow uh, Gerard's fitness is, is a real question mark yeah I, I mean I think there's uh, a 100% chance that Gerard will start I mean I, I know, oh, I know yeah, absolutely. been coy about this and going well, well assess fitness he'll absolutely definitely start 
Yeah, but how? What sort of form he'll be in? You know, is, is obviously very significant because he's he's such an important player for them. Goes without saying. You know, Andy Andy Carroll's been pretty stop start this season. I think Suarez has been pretty consistently impressive, uh, if a little on the cheaty side for my tastes. But you know, they've they've had they've gone from very good performances to distinctly average performances already this season. And you know, what Liverpool turns up is going to be as influential on the fixture as what United turns up. Obviously. Yeah, I, I think I think they're pretty inconsistent. I think I, I think Suarez putting some standout performances but I think he's also inconsistent and uh, right, actually I was okay. looking through the stats and um, both uh, yeah, obviously you know, he's got four goals this season not bad and, but but other other parts of his game have failed and uh, about 15 different indexes these days but um, I kindly get some from the EA index that they send me over extra extra stuff and uh, he's he's pretty far down yeah, I think he's in, in the, ranked in the 20s and, and that's right. a very good scientific way of, of looking at overall player performance and just you know, one of one of a few in- indexes like that and stuff like that. So I think uh, my my general view that he's been inconsistent is backed up by some of the stats. But but he's also can be completely brilliant as well. And he, he you know Suarez could easily be a match winner. Mm, so it's a really really difficult one to call, isn't it? Yes, really really difficult one. I mean, you'd say United would be happy with the draw uh, in a way because it's uh, it's a match at Anfield and and uh, lost the last one and and all of that. But but the fans will never be happy with just a draw. Right, we, it would uh, nothing better than going to Anfield and winning. Yeah, I, 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 as 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 Han Solo so famously said, I've got a bad feeling about this. I, I, I'm not, I'm not able to predict a win in this game. Oh well, I think, I think Ferguson will go with some experience. I, I think, I think we'll probably see. Uh, well, if Smalling's fit, uh, he'll play it right back. Uh, if not, James will. And I think we'll see both Ferdinand and Vidic back in the side. And and uh, I'd be surprised if cleverly starts. I, I think we might see Anderson and Giggs, or or some combination, maybe Fletcher and Fletcher and Giggs, or Fletcher and Anderson and Fletcher. The, the the thing about Fletcher is he played for Scotland even though he had tonsillitis and he, he you know you could tell he was absolutely busting a gut to perform well in that game so I think he's going to be shattered I suspect yeah yeah and a lot a lot will come down to to how players have come back from the the international break and we'll, we'll see we'll see um, but I, I would suspect that that Chicharito will not will not uh, start because yeah he's he's been uh, away in Brazil and it's an awful long flight back and he won't have got back till till Thursday and then what are the, what are the chances of Fergie playing with more than four in midfield well that, that's, there's a big chance isn't there given give yeah. that equation yeah if he decides he wants to pack the midfield with an extra man and, and uh, yeah could, could could well do that yeah and uh, I, I suppose that would be pretty typical Fergie although he's been bolder he's been bolder in recent times hasn't he with his selection so yeah um, it, it comes down to fitness of players I, I think if he, if he feels like uh, Fernand and Vidic are back and they're both fit and it's a solid base and uh, he he might be a little bolder if he if he feels like uh, one or both of them aren't fit enough to play then he he might well play the extra player in midfield just to give United a bit of security there because we have been very open shown by the stats and almost every side we've played has either scored or had plenty of chances to score and and uh, I think I think I'm right in saying that uh, David De Gea has made the the most saves of any keeper in the Premier League this season and didn't even play the last match. Yeah, uh, Lindegaard had a decent game, didn't he? He was all right. He made a couple of good saves. He's all right, yeah. De Gea will be back. Though, oh, definitely. And, uh, Fergie explained that one, saying uh, De Gea had a couple of games with the, the under-21s, whereas Lindegaard isn't isn't in the Danish first team at the moment, which is fair enough. Interesting having Lindegaard in goal, because he, he, he does have this, this very sort of solid... He's got the... I don't know, he definitely has a touch of the... 
the Van der Sars about him. He's got something of that quality, but boy, do we miss De Gea's distribution already when it's not there. That, that, that kid, he's just a footballer. You know, he's a goalkeeper, but his passing is really, really, really good. Uh, and and it was noticeable by its absence, I thought. Um, Outside of the actual football on the pitch, we, we said we'd cover a couple of things. The government report on football governors. It's Strictly speaking, it was the government's response to the culture, media and sport committee's report on football governance and and uh, if you can be bothered to read all 40 pages can't. of the government response which yeah i'm sad i am sad enough to have done it, it it's a report that sits firmly on the fence so there are an awful lot of paragraphs in there that basically state the obvious they say well, we recognize that lots of fans are angry about debt we think it's very important that debt is sustainable you know wow huge surprise there so nothing major in there a couple of things that i found interesting there there was a suggestion that there should be a trigger point and and uh, no no concrete no concrete legislation here clearly the government is not saying you have to do this but a suggestion that there could be a trigger point for fan representation on football club boards so and they, they say the trigger point could be a certain percentage of shares held by fans or a change of ownership or something else a change in major directors or or something along those lines that could mean in theory if this all goes through and football takes up this this uh, this suggestion from the the committee and and uh, agreement from the government that that uh, you know, a group like for example must could uh, could get a, a voice on the united board which would be very interesting if it happened doesn't seem like the kind of thing that the government are going to make a legislative priority in time with you know multiple international wars and conflicts and a huge global economic no well it won't it won't and it, it very specifically says in the conclusion uh, that uh, that legislation must necessarily because it's government legislation the the bar for legislation has to be set very high so there'd have to be very serious failings in football (laughs) for the government to legislate so i think i I wish there are of course but very serious market failings right so and that's what we're talking about a very high bar yes it's a it's a it's a sport that's governed very poorly there there's huge amount of debt uh, but there isn't wholesale market failure here. Uh, I mean, you know, some in in, in a very broad definition of it, uh, you, you definitely say things there uh, things that are not right. Yeah. High levels of debt, high ticket prices, lack of fan representation, leveraged buyouts, owners who don't talk to fans, and and all of this, and you know, failed clubs and all of it. And it, but it's not none got- of that's a failure of the market, is it? None of that. I mean, it is, but it, none of that it would be considered like a you know a massive failure that needs legislation. That's just this is not the banking system. No, and. Uh, and even in the banking system, there's been no legislation yet to uh, to govern that. And, yet, uh, <laughs> as so, if they were yeah. going to do that. We, we have a terrible, terrible government in this country, just in case you, you're listening to this in another country. Just a uh, credibly thrown-together coalition uh, of uh, pretty badly qualified individuals with some very odd beliefs about the way society should function. Party political broadcast on behalf of the Paul Sorry, party. sorry, that, all this, the, the United Rant Party. Oh no, I do not represent the views of United Actually, I'm, I can speak with some confidence in suggesting that I somewhat do represent the views of United Rant on this subject. I think three years of, of uh, uh, co-hosting this podcast uh, would say, yes, you, you are representing at least at least 50% of the views <laughs> in this democracy we have at United Rant. Yeah. So it's very unlikely that that's ever going to find its way onto the legislative gender because for n- one of the main reasons is it's not ideologically sound for them to make it a legislative issue because they're free market capitalists. Yes, uh, 
I mean, I mean, there there was a lot of lot of promises made in all manifestos prior to the prior to the election, and uh, I mean, the Labour Party probably went the furthest by suggesting that they might mandate a um, a stake, uh, you know, held by fans in some way. But but that would probably fall foul of all sorts. I mean, they do in Germany; they have the fifty plus one rule, but to try and retrospectively enforce it onto an industry would be extremely difficult and probably fall foul of company act and on all sorts of other stuff so I, I think most parties back down on that kind of thing and at the moment we have uh, some noise being made by the government because there's been pressure from groups like must and and just fans generally and it's gone to it's gone onto the government agenda that way but but no likelihood of actual real action there's basically this is government saying football get your house in order and, and there's been some move to do that there's fa's pointed a couple of you know non-executive directors looks like they're going to try and slim down the board there's the ongoing debate about finances in and then what i mean is how the money's distributed between the national game i.e the amateur game and uh, and the professional game that ought to also lead to a debate about the governance between amateur and professional i mean you get this weird situation where half the committees are made up of people from the devon county fa who whose you know biggest fixture is some park game on a sunday so and i'm being very flippant and uh, if you listen in devon um sorry for the insult but <laughs> but the point being is that you have people who are not professional and probably yeah, often not professional football governance people or not business people or uh, executives with uh, yeah, yeah, the expected level of experience and qualifications running a, a, a very widespread industry and, and as, as a result we've had a load of failings and stuff like that and and tied very closely to that is another thing we wanted to talk about is, is TV revenue sharing of course Liverpool uh, Ian Eyre a Liverpool director this week said that there should be a redistribution of the income uh, and he was very specifically talking about the overseas rights income so rights are split between the domestic rights that are sold to Sky and ESPN and the overseas rights and domestic rights are everyone gets a it's kind of almost equally split so you get a you get a pot of money that's divided up equally between 20 teams and you get a pot of money that's based on how many appearances on, on TV and it tends to be the big club that get more of that because they're on TV more often than the small clubs and then you get a pot of money that's that's based on success so you know the top club the winning club gets the most prize money the bottom club gets the least uh, but the the international rights are divided completely equally and this is what Ian Eyre from Liverpool doesn't like because he thinks that Liverpool are far more popular overseas and, and they're, they're not competitive in Europe with quote unquote Barcelona and Real Madrid because they they're not able to get a bigger slice of that revenue so what you're saying is, are they lads? We want more money from Kuala Lumpur. Pretty much, yes, pretty much. I, I, of course, the, the counter argument to that would be that Liverpool are not very competitive with uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid in, in terms of generating TV revenue because they're not very good and they're not playing in Europe this season. Uh, that might be why it's come up. Uh, Chelsea and United both come out against this. Interesting <laughs> that United would do that given, I mean, Fergie talked about it in, in that big interview that we were talking about last time we did the show well he sort of alluded to it didn't he he said yeah whatever we get paid for overseas rights we don't get enough and and there is a there's an argument in this it's the same argument that's made in in spanish football it's it's the most popular teams with with the biggest teams with the most popular ones we're, we're the one driving subscriptions to tv channels worldwide this is why broadcasters are paying all this money to to buy the premier league product therefore you should get most money and there's an argument in that and and he's you know kind of in there is probably factually correct that it is United and Liverpool and Chelsea and Arsenal and uh, who are the, the the guys that people in Kuala Lumpur want to watch and not Bolton and Norwich and fair enough but the counter argument is 
do do we want a, a Premier League that looks like Spain where there are only two successful clubs and you could kind of say actually over the last 20 years it's been United and Chelsea and Arsenal and that's really it but at least there there's a feeling of competitiveness and uh, and Liverpool with that global fan base uh, you know if they hadn't so mismanaged their club over the last 20 years ought, ought to have had the kind of revenues that United has generated and and, and be competitive uh, so um, you know I, I don't know it's, it's, it's one for everyone to debate but I would say that having a, having a system where uh, say in Spain where Madrid and Barcelona get 90% of TV revenue and everyone else is left out I mean I think there's some like 12 clubs in Spain that don't even have a shirt yeah. sponsor because no one wants to watch anyone out so why I have you know, any other sponsor and, and uh, that's no good for football is it as Sid Lowe was saying on the Football Weekly podcast that you know that, that even when those clubs do get shirt sponsors it's on the basis of how often are you going to play Barcelona at Madrid this season and you know when are those games going to be and all that sort of thing uh, so talking of uh, competitiveness and success on the pitch two new contracts signed since we've been away both really exciting young players with big futures at United one of whom Real Madrid was allegedly sniffing around again uh, but Javier Hernandez has signed a five year deal and Tom Cleverley I think a four year deal yeah and b- both will get nice bumps in uh, in their pay as a result and, and uh, Hernandez well I-, I guess they just wanted to secure him against against the temptations of uh, clubs like Madrid coming in and he would have been on a, a, a modest uh, income something something like £40,000 a week I, I don't know how he could have possibly coped on that but it's tough he, he managed to I know Poor, poor lad, but he's going to be paid a, a, around double that now. And, and Tom Cleverly and uh, his first uh, sort of major professional contract, he'll he'll get a, a, a you know, nowhere near that level, but a, a, you know, a decent bump in the pay, and that's a good reflection of the progress he's made over the last eighteen months or so. Yeah, absolutely, and it's good to see the club signing both of those players up because and something like twelve or thirteen players have signed new contracts, so you know they're they're making sure there's uh, some long-term planning and uh, Arsenal-esque uh, issues with uh, players been able to run down their contracts absolutely so predictions before the games against Liverpool and the massive one against Otolol Galati Otolongi well let's let's start with the Otolongi oh, oh, well, whatever they're called Otolol uh, Galati utter rubbish <laughs> I think uh, I think United it, it won't be a brilliant performance because uh, as we said there'll be lots of changes but I think United will go there and win 2-0 uh, I think uh, you know, easy enough to Liverpool game God I'm just I'm just going to go with the heart on this one I think, think Ferdinand and Vidic both can be back I think I'm going to be solid at the back I'm predicting a clean sheet I'm predicting <laughs> a clean sheet I'm predicting a 1-0 United win alright like a person at a bedwetters convention I find it impossible to predict a clean sheet in this in either of these games uh, I think we're going to lose 1-2 to Liverpool and I think we're going to beat Artillal 3-1 that's what I think hope I'm wrong but that's my my honest prediction and that's that's our deal right we have to we have to say what we actually think about Do these we? things <laughs> apparently so uh, but either way we'll be back next week uh, hopefully I will have been spectacularly wrong see you then see you then